Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. As I was looking through the plethora of options to do a podcast on, I'm, you know, I'm obviously I'm looking at yeah, the different thing, the different things that are happening. You know, summertime, so people are are vacationing. Uh, they're paying way too much for gas. There's stuff going on with the Supreme Court, uh, and you know the list goes on and on and on. And I got to thinking, really, what is all of this about? Here's the thing, if if I break some of this down, I'd say a lot of this down. There is a ton, like a ton of fear-mongering going on. Now, many of you are going to, with confirmation bias, because that's part of our processing, you're going to justify your fear because that's what we do. If we justify it, it's it's better because you know, it's, it's more proof that I'm right. And we like to be right. I like to be right. But why is all this fear mongering going on? Why is this happening? What is the benefit? At the end of the day, when I look at the fear mongering, uh, from a psychological standpoint, it really provides one benefit. The majority of the people who, who use fear mongering tactics, are are going to be uh, I'm speaking bluntly so uh, you know if if this you know hits your ears and it's it's hard to hear uh, well I don't know if I'm, I'm sorry or like maybe good I, it could be one of those two things but the majority of the the people that I would sit with that are fear mongering are people who are abusers. That would be, you know, spousal abuse or child abuse or, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. People who have molested children and, and you know, they use this method for one thing and one thing only, control. If they can make you freeze up, they have control. So I wanted to get after today fear-mongering. I'm going to hit it directly, and we're going to see where this goes. Um, again, just like with any of my other podcasts, like this, don't like this, uh, leave us comments, uh, do the, the things that, that we're, you know, we're trying to get done out here, and that's get this com- communication going to more and more people because people need this information. I'm going to paint you a little picture. You're standing on the top of this piece of paper, regular eight by, was it eight and a half by 11 or whatever it is, you know, just regular notebook paper, printer paper, just a regular piece of paper. And you're standing there on the, it's sitting on the floor and you just stand on it. There is no fear. But if I take that piece of paper and I staple it, exactly the same size at the top of a pole, 40 feet off the ground. And I say, stand on that piece of paper. 
Uh, most of you are going to be saying, where's the harness and uh, no harness? Heck no, I'm not doing that. Why? Are you really afraid of heights? Now, I want to clarify something. Phobia is different than fear. Fear is something that we're going to talk about today. I'm not going to talk much about phobia. All right. That's, it's typically comes with irrational thinking and, and some other things that we would want to work on that separately clinic in a clinical setting. But fear, fear is what you're experiencing. If I tell you to stand on top of a 40 foot pole on a, something the size of a piece of paper, which by the way, if you were standing on the floor and put the paper down and then stood on the paper, I could push you and you wouldn't fall off the piece of paper. There would be nothing. It's, I mean, uh, there's hardly anything. I, I'd have to tackle you to make you fall off the piece of paper. Because a piece of paper, by the way, is actually pretty large. You're not going to have trouble standing on a piece of paper. Uh, for hours, probably. So, my question then becomes, what exactly is it that you're afraid of? If, you, if we've just resolved potentially that you're not afraid of heights, unless you've got a phobia, right? If you're not afraid of heights, what are you afraid of? Well, then the next thing that I often hear is, well, I'm afraid I'm going to die. Oh, what would make you die? It's not the piece of paper on top of the pole. It's not you standing on top of the piece or piece of paper on top of the pole. What is it that makes you die? Well, if I fall, if you fall, what does that mean? Therapeutically, I walk people through this all the time because fear is such an obstacle. If you fell, it's because you made a mistake. We fear our mistakes. And truth be told, when the risk goes up, our legs get a little bit more wobbly because we're afraid. If we can control our own fear, then our legs don't wobble and standing on the top of a 40-foot pole on something the size of a piece of paper doesn't seem as difficult anymore. But when we throw in fear, we become less functional. So we perform to less quality. And what we actually would do in that situation is probably avoid the piece of paper on top of the pole because I don't want to stand 40 feet up there wondering if the wind is going to start blowing and I'm going to fall off. Of course, we would say the wind, but the wind isn't what makes us fall off. The wind can blow. That, that piece of paper is plenty big. Trust me. Done this exercise many times. We are really afraid to fail. And the risk of failure on a 40-foot pole is very different than the risk of failure when the piece of paper is on the ground. So what I can do by forcing you to do this is I can gain control. I can make a predictable outcome. Oh, they're not going to do this because I have made them fearful. I put it on top of a pole instead of on the ground. So it's a, it's really... I can gain control by making you fearful. That's fear-mongering. And if you defer to me because you're afraid, what if I'm the dumbest guy in the room? 
then you have just deferred to the dumbest guy in the room simply because I made you afraid. Enter any bully here. All right. So the next most logical question I can come up therapeutically is, how do I manage my fear then? And there's three basic principles here. Avoidance, redirection, and confrontation. With avoidance, we have to know that avoidance is a temporary solution for a temporary problem. For instance, walking down the sidewalk and somebody says something really derogatory and mean to me. Well, what are the chances I'm going to see them again? I mean, I'm I'm in a smaller town, so I might see them. But if I don't know them already, then what are the chances? Maybe they're pretty low. In a situation like that, I may just ignore it because avoiding stupidity at that point is like, yeah, I mean, as long as it's, I'm not going to have to face it every single day or even every single week or maybe even ever again in that particular way, then I may just choose to avoid it. And sometimes we start off with avoidance because avoidance seems like a logical first step. Not a problem. It's a temporary solution to a temporary problem. But if the problem ends up not being temporary, then it's not a good solution. So we look at number two, redirecting energy. If we take that negative energy and we direct it, uh, the best example I use for this, I think, is probably when, when you know, a client would be sitting here and they say, well, somebody called me, uh, um, a, you know, an ugly fill in the blank. And I would say, well, Did you tell them that they can just blame your parents for that? See, I inserted what is humor and potential truth if they are, in fact, ugly. But the important thing is I took that negative energy. You're an ugly blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, you can blame my parents. And I've redirected that negative energy into positive humor. Right? It's... It's not, it's not getting into a fight with them. It's not necessarily confronting it, but it's, it's also not ignoring it and avoiding it. Redirecting energy is a temporary to a medium range problem. You know, if, if somebody's in your town for the summer, we may be able to get through the entire summer redirecting energy. That may work just fine. But if they're going to be there long term, this becomes also ineffective. So then it brings us to our third one. How do we confront the fear? First of all, this is the only long-term solution. The only one. And it starts with, you got to understand yourself. Fear doesn't happen to us very often. We can be the victim of things. Don't get me wrong. I've known plenty of people, I've worked with hundreds, thousands of people who have had legitimate reasons to be afraid of something. Uh, I'll give you an example. The, there's, there have been times where people have put their fear onto me as a therapist. As a counselor, I see people who have literally been victims, been hurt. And I got to tell you this one example, it sticks out to me. A, a person 
could not be in the same room with me. And I couldn't figure out why. And I was, it was because the first time that they saw me, they saw that I was wearing some fancy socks, some dress socks. It was a particular kind of fancy dress sock or something. And what they, what they ended up getting to the point of being able to tell me was that during their rape, they saw socks just like that and they just could not get over it. They knew it wasn't me. I didn't do anything to them. But they couldn't get past that block, that trigger. Until eventually they could, which, you know, it did end up happening. It took a it took a long time because I didn't work with them directly. I just interacted with them periodically in, in group type settings. So for the rest of this time, I want to focus on confronting fear. Knowing ourselves enough to confront our own fear. Starts with one, gathering information. That would be biological, psychological, sociological, cultural, spiritual information. We want to look at it all. We want to look at those things and say, why do I fear it? Is that fear coming because of something that happened to me biologically? Right? Trauma fits in that category. Um, whether that be a physical trauma or a, a mental trauma, but it fits into that, that category. Personal psychology. Personal psychology is really, really important to look at. Sociological. Is this something that I've been taught is not okay? Cultural teachings. Is this something that I've been taught to fear? Look, if I've been taught to fear it, I still have to ask the question, am I actually afraid of this? You, you should never cross the road unless you're at a crosswalk. And I live in a small town in the middle of the, the, the evening, uh, anytime pretty much past like, I don't know, nine or 10 o'clock, the vast majority of our roads are empty, like completely empty. If I was afraid to cross the road unless I was at a crosswalk. Now, I'm not saying that it's legal and I should do it, but if I was afraid to cross, that is that is an unnecessary fear at that point. There's nobody there. What's the actual danger? There is none. I'm just afraid. So we've got to understand ourselves in that. And then spiritual. You know, sometimes we... Unfortunately, and I'm probably going to end up doing a podcast on this real soon because spiritual abuse is a real thing. And I'm hoping that you're not sitting out there getting all high on your horse saying, yeah, you get after those religious people. Because yes, spiritual abuse is a real thing. Just like relational abuse is a real thing. Should I get after them too? Probably. And should I get after everybody who's ever made a mistake and not realize the harm that they've done? Because I could probably do that too. No. But we do need to look at the spiritual realm when we're confronting a fear because it has information for us. Number two, after we've gathered information on all of these categories, we're going to process it. Now, remember, we gathered information for this purpose, assessing limitations and potentials. 
That's what we're looking at. Assessment of limitations, our own, our social, our cultural, our spiritual, our biological limitations, and our potentials, our biological, our personal or psychological, social, cultural, spiritual. We're looking to assess the limitations and the potentials in those areas. Then we process it. We say, okay, I don't actually have this limitation biologically or psychologically or socially. And I run into this issue when it gets to cultural, which often is the case. The culture is telling me that I can't do this. But why is it telling me that? Is it because these things are bad for me, psychological, sociological, or biological? We have to ask those hard kinds of questions. Those limitations, those potentials, when we're processing them, we have to be really, really real. And we've got to look to purposely challenge our biases. We have to challenge them. You guys, if you've paid attention to me too much um, <laughs> or enough, uh, depends on your, your viewpoint, you'll see in my uh, other podcasts, I've got many podcasts on different topics, but I, I addressed I addressed the, uh, the, the bias stuff in many of them. There's so many areas of bias that we have. Is it okay for somebody to have a different viewpoint than us? Yes. Do we have to agree with everybody on everything? No. Will we ever get to a point where we agree on everything? No. That isn't the purpose. We don't have to agree. What we do need to do is have some resemblance of respect and communication because People who disagree with me, that's fine. Disagree. But don't spew your hate at me. Don't make it personal because we have a different viewpoint. It's just like me. I don't want to spew hate at anybody. Uh, the, I had, uh, let, me, let me paint this for you. I'm taking a little sidebar here, so, so hang in there with me. The first time, I have spent most of my life protecting kids. Like that is, that is a true reality for me. I have worked with teens and, and younger kids all the way. I mean, I've worked with children for a long, long time and I've been protective of them. And that's super important to paint because I want to tell you the first time, and I'm a therapist, <laughs> I know I've said that before, but the first time I sat down with somebody who purposely harmed a child, man, it, everything in me wanted to put my hands around their neck and just squeeze. That would make me wrong, of course. I would be wrong for doing that. But it took everything in me not to do that. What I learned by pushing my comfort zone, by understanding that I wasn't as limited I did have to get some some help. Uh, what I did was I did a lot of consultation during that time because, uh, you know, at the beginning it was really bad. I, I just was like, I'm not sure I should see this person. I'm going to hurt. Like the, I know this probably shouldn't have happened. And I had a, a good mentor that said, no, stick it out, stick it out. And if you get overwhelmed, uh, you know, just call me directly. And, you know, it, and it, he was super good. He was super good to me. Um, and at the end of the day, I learned that I didn't have the limitations that I thought I had 
That's why it's so important to challenge our bias. So important to look at those things and say, wait a minute, is that really what I believe or is that really what I've been taught? Because sometimes they're different. Now, sometimes we're taught things, we challenge our bias, and then we find out, no, we actually do believe those things. That's fine too. But we have to process our limitations and potentials within the the gathered information that we have so that we know what kind of decision to make. And that's number three. That decision that we make based on the information gathered and the processing of that information allows us to make, hopefully, in most cases, actually, a healthier decision. Now, but this process of gathering, processing, and deciding goes pretty quickly sometimes. Sometimes it can happen within a matter of minutes, sometimes hours, sometimes days. And in some certain situations, some of these bigger, uh, more hardy topics, this can take months or even for some cultures, years, which is leads me to something I'm going to just, I'm going to comment on our culture in America is, I don't know how to say this. We are a, a giant that is trying to run a sprint. We're just not built for it. We don't have the agility. We are inefficient, and that makes us oftentimes ineffective at a cultural level. And so there is a trimming down that has to happen in culture sometimes. Um, we have not had to experience that a ton in, in America. And I'm not sure what, what's going to happen when we do. You know, it's, and maybe that's what's actually happening right now. Maybe that's why we've got this fear mongering is because, you know, people are trimming down and, and trying to make things more effective and more efficient. I'm not really sure. You know, I, I can't say that I've been behind that secret curtain. But at the end of the day, we still have to make decisions. And then the final step, and you've heard me say this in other podcasts, there is no good path without a review. If we have gathered information, processed information, made a decision, and we skip the review, We never fully complete that circle and come back to gathering new information because truth be told, sometimes we gather information for a week and we think that's sufficient or we're pinched for time. And so it has to be sufficient. And then a month later, we have new information. Well, new information could go into the the puzzle and we process that information and we make a different decision. We have to be open to that possibility and the way to be open to that is to set up reviews. We have to review periodically. That, for me today, is is the takeaway. Confronting fear is about gathering, processing, deciding, and reviewing information. And we have to do a better job of that overall because there are plenty of people out there who want to gain control over you and me. And we can't let them do that. That's a loss of autonomy, but it's a choice that you're making. You're choosing to cave into fear and we're less effective when we're in a place of fear. 
So whatever you have to do within reason, within responsible action to move past that fear and get to the confrontation of that fear for yourself first before you ever confront anybody else. Otherwise, you're just going to become a fear mongerer. And we don't want that either. But you got to do it. We've got to stop functioning from fear. Fear is an unhealthy place psychologically, sociologically, and culturally to function from. We just have to stop functioning from fear. Let me give you the alternative. Function from a place of love and respect. That is a high-functioning place. Thank you so much for joining me. And with that, I'm going to sign off. Please leave feedback and uh, give me comments, you know, stuff like that. Um, Share this with friends. Let's get the word out that there's some content coming out here that's good for all of us. Have a nice day.